Yo, yo, Dana B here. Just a quick heads up before we get into this podcast episode. Yeah, you hear that beeping? See, this is why I'm here. Come on. So the introduction of this podcast episode that leads to my interview with Nick Ham of Citizen is recorded on my cell phone. I'm in a hotel room in Niagara Falls on tour, all right? What do you want from me? Come on. I'm trying. If you don't want to listen to the intro, that's fine. Just fast forward. If you're here for Nick Ham, I am too. I get it. So just fast forward, you'll find the interview. But if you want a tour update, then just sit back, relax, and listen to me babble on a low-quality recording for a few minutes. Thank you so much. Come on. Two-week notice podcast. I ran away from you. Now look how far I've got. I shared some secrets that I'd hope you keep the words that don't come out. And I should have crashed the car. Escape from my gas car. And you talk like someone else. Something's killing me You hang me up As a souvenir Of what I couldn't be And I should have crashed the car When I was all alone Escaped from all I know Yo, yo, what up, everyone? You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. My name is Dana B. I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening. Come on! And today, we have an awesome episode for you, all right? So we got Nick Ham, lead guitar player for the band Citizen. I have been obsessed with this band very much so lately. Like, if you go on my Spotify, you know, like the repeat playlist, there's a lot of Citizen on there. Put it this way, my Spotify wrapped in fucking 20... 2023 it's gonna have citizen on there a lot um so there's a lot going on right now actually so first of all this interview is a little bit shorter so i'm gonna update you with what's going on with me because a lot has happened in my tour world so it's all relative right come out all the music that you are hearing on this podcast episode is from citizens debut full length which came out 10 years ago we're gonna talk about this so i'll save that for the interview but for the occasion i'm playing all songs off of 
of youth but go listen to citizen if you haven't check their shit out if you dig it they're incredible their old shit their new shit everything in between they got a new record coming out this year a lot of exciting things happening they got a sold out tour and honestly just the story that nick tells of his timeline and citizens timeline and how they came up it's one of my favorite stories that someone has ever told on the podcast it's just rad awesome band by the way if you hear background noises a lot has happened since the last podcast episode all right come on so i'm in niagara falls right now i am on tour with thrice ah yeah so last time i spoke with you like a week and a half ago or so i was on tour with the front bottoms and i had been talking about that for a few weeks right last few episodes completely last minute i was recruited to go on tour with thrice straight from the front bottoms Uh, i didn't even go home i was so tired so if you hear like cars and if the sound is shitty it's because i'm in this hotel room which i believe i will be getting kicked out of any minute now we might hear a knock on the door housekeeping you know because i gotta fucking go so i just wrapped up a full week with thrice and i mean that was like a bucket list thing i didn't even know i had big deal for me all right i mean so they're touring right now celebrating 20 years of the artists in the ambulance uh their third full-length record that they put out in 2003 i bought that cd when it came out i mean i spun that cd all the time and i've been seeing them play for 20 years so i watched every single set took it all in met the dudes super chill super cool also a huge shout out to holy fawn who is the opener they're incredible and actually like so major highlights from this tour with thrice first of all just it's always wonderful to take in the beautiful the majestic niagara falls so that was what i did yesterday right before the show and then i watched the show it was my last one on the quick run and then after the show myself and the holy fawn camp we all like played football in the parking lot for like i don't know an hour and a half or something it was so much fun it was a blast shout out to holy fawn they're also fucking incredible and they ripped sorry about the background noise what else before i hopped on tour thrice i hit up adjacent festival in atlantic city with the front bottoms first of all you know what i learned and this blew my mind so monopoly you know the board game yo that takes place in atlantic city come on i had no idea no idea maybe i should have known that or maybe i did know and i forgot but like i'm driving to the boardwalk because this festival was rad dude it was like right on the beach so i'm driving up to the boardwalk and like i'm driving on Atlantic Ave and like Baltic Ave and Pennsylvania Ave. All of a sudden I'm on Park Place and then I'm at the boardwalk. The festival itself had a Monopoly theme and I was like oh like the stages it was like the thimble stage and the I forget the boot stage and fucking something else. I don't know. Uh, It was cool. It was kind of a fucking disaster. Day one I couldn't even get in. I was so upset. I missed everything on the first day. Everything. It was really a shit show but that's bound to happen. It's It was the first year of this festival so they're like working out the and shit. So the second day, I was so tired. I roll up in my truck. So the main stage is on one end, like where Blink-182 and Turnstile played and shit. And then on the other end of the beach was like these two stages, like side by side, like warp Tour style kind of thing. Like they would just switch off every set to kind of keep the ball rolling. And that's where I just spent my day because it was such a pain in the ass to get over to the main stage. You had to like walk through all this sand and through the crowds and like, it was just a mess. So like I rolled up in my truck, I don't know, like early in the morning, 
morning. Dude, I fucking ended up sleeping in my truck for six hours and I woke up just in time <laughs> to catch LS Dunes' set, which was like, ow, oh, four o'clock. And uh, so I saw LS Dunes, Incendiary, The Movie Life, Folly, The Front Bottoms. And then I went over to uh, the other side of the fucking, to the main stage for Blink-182. Blink sounded better than ever. Go see them if you can. It, it was great to see them again. I mean, like everybody came out. I, I got to hang out with like Travis Stever from Coheed, two week knows podcast alumni. Um, I didn't see as many sets as I wanted to. The Front Bottoms crushed. I love that band. I love working for them. I love their music. Uh, we just announced a big tour. I'm working for the Front Bottoms the rest of the year. That Thrice thing was just a really awesome bonus. Not only another like week's pay, but one of my favorite bands ever. So really big deal for me. I'm still kind of like wrapping my head around that. You know, it all happened so fast. I like now that I'm done pretty much, I just gonna drive back to Boston as soon as I put this episode out. But I'm like starting to like process it. Like, holy shit, I was just on tour with Thrice. Come on. Unbelievable experience. Very grateful for that. Oh, you know what else? In Atlantic City on Saturday night, the first night I sold merch for the early November. That was awesome. They put on a free show like across from the festival grounds. It was a weird gig. Like it was literally just like on a casino floor and it was free. There's like blackjack tables or whatever. It was like literally in the casino. So it was like an interesting crowd. I mean, there were there was a great crowd. Like it filled up and there were a lot of people there for the early November. But then you also had just like, you know, the casino fucking hood rats. It was just like an interesting night, but uh, that was a blast. And Ace Enders started following me on Instagram. So if you're listening, Ace, I'm coming for you. Come on. I'm going to send him a message. He'll do the podcast, right? He has to. All right. I think I've rambled long enough. What else? So, hey, if this is your first time checking out the two-week notice podcast, thank you so much. It means the world to me. All right. If you want to support the show, here's the best way. If you have an iPhone in particular, right, go to the podcast's app. It's a little purple square says podcasts all right click on it and then click on the little magnifying glass like the search field okay type in my show two week notice podcast make sure you're subscribed and then scroll all the way down and hit me with the five star written review it's so helpful if you don't have an iphone go on spotify hit me with five stars over there follow me on the socials right i got a couple instagram accounts tell a friend thank you so much come on i think that's it i'm gonna drive home fucking like nine hour drive so i gotta get this episode out nick ham thank you so much brother go listen to citizen links to all their shit is in the description of this podcast episode as always i love you all enjoy come on Today on the podcast, we got Nick Ham, lead guitarist of the band Citizen. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. This is an honor. I'm a massive Citizen fan. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm doing absolutely nothing, and it's a beautiful day in Ohio, so I don't have much I can complain about. That's where you're from, right? Yeah, born and raised in Toledo, Ohio, and uh, have lived here all my life. Word, man. So I'm from Boston, but I caught you guys down in St. Pete, Florida at Janice Live with Joyce Manor. 
Yeah. Dude, you guys ripped so hard at that show. I was just so impressed. And I was like, man, like instant fan. I had heard you guys before, but I just like, I don't know if I had seen you before that. I, I was trying to remember, but that's so funny. that show is like one of the most memorable, like probably the best show of that whole tour. We were like so hyped on that. I think it was the only outdoor show of that tour. It was insanely hot. I know that, but the crowd was insane. I just remember having like a really, really good day that day. I love that venue. It's a unique yeah. little spot. It's like this little interesting patio. There's like apartments all around it and stuff. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's very pro rock vibes. You know? <laughs> totally. I was living down there for most of last year and I was like walkable to that venue. I went to so many shows there. It was great. That's awesome. I had just got off tour actually with the Joyce Manor dudes. I was working for the story so far this time last year and um, Joyce Manor became my favorite band from that tour. Like, And they still are. I love them so much. So yeah, how was that tour? Oh, it was insane. We had um, earlier in the year, we had done a tour with Turnstile and um, that one was really interesting because it was like the whole lineup was all friends. So like the, the hang aspect was insane. But you know, it was Turnstile was having just like the biggest moment ever. It was the Turnstile show, you know, every Everybody else just kind of like backed off, you know, to, they just did their thing. So that tour was like kind of a, a challenge in a way, you know, because we're playing to a lot of new people and um, we've been a band for so long that that doesn't happen all that often. So then doing the the Joyce Manor tour after that, which was kind of just like a, a classic citizen tour, but still had, we have plenty of overlap with Joyce Manor, but they still have like a massive group of like diehards. So we were still playing to new people, but it was a little more classic a little more what we were used to so that one was kind of a return to form and so it was just really fun and every show was amazing on that one I love that. So the tour I did with them last year was Story So Far, Joyce Manor, Mom Jeans, and Microwave. But there were some nights where it almost felt like a co-headliner with the crowds that were there for Joyce. It was people sure, come yeah. out for them, dude. Yeah. I remember that tour happening and, and just thinking like, that's just too good to fail, you know? Yeah, that whole bill was really encouraging to me, like to see, you know, because it started in April of last year. So shows were really still coming back from all the COVID, you know, right. stuff. Just every show was sold out in, you know, these big rooms too, like anywhere right. from a couple thousand up to 7,500 at uh, the Shrine Outdoors LA. So it's just like, all right, I think, I think we're back. Just music in general, right? Yeah, Felt no, good. for sure. You, you really didn't feel that sense until, until fairly recently. And it's interesting, you know, you just saying how big the venues were. COVID was like, you know, the worst and best thing to happen to a lot of bands because it really did come back in such an insane way. I think that like energetic music, at least in terms of guitar music, had a major bump after COVID. I think people just being locked up, it just came back in a bigger way. And, and I feel like what's possible now for so many bands is, is so beyond what it was before. And everything was kind of shifting indie rock and, and softer. And then COVID happened and just hardcore exploded. And the turnstile factor just kind of has, you know, shifted everything. But that tour is a good example, too because it's like, it's insane to me that, you know, bands we're friends with are, are capable of playing to so many people to a point where it's really like a, a cultural force at this point, you know, and, and that was just not really the case before. And especially not the case when we grew up doing tours with the story so far and, and with all these bands. So it really, it still trips me up to like, see it. 
Dude, you know, uh, it's funny you say that because I think we were about maybe halfway through the tour with the story so far. And uh, after the show, I was outside with Kevin, Kevin Geyer, just kind of chatting with him for a minute. And I was like, dude, you know, I knew you guys were like big, but I didn't know you were like this fucking big. He's like, I didn't either. We didn't expect <laughs> this. It's better than we could have imagined. Kind of what you were saying, just how worst and best thing, the whole COVID shutdown and everything. Like, yeah, it's, it feels like the scene is like thriving more than ever. Yeah, I think maybe everybody needed to take a break. You know, it is crazy. It's like that's happened with so many bands where it's like, I can't believe the actual size of these bands and like the actual power that these these bands have, because, you know, I'll go see shows for, you know, a pop artist I like or like an indie rock band or something that has a name that is humongous and all over press. And it'll be half the size of a story so far show. And it is like kind of interesting in that sense that this kind of world of music doesn't necessarily lend itself to the cultural like conversation but all these bands really do have power and like have these mass cult followings and it's crazy and it's cool and I think that it just makes it all the more long lasting I hope anyway I hope so too. <laughs> and uh, I think so. Like if take the When We Were Young Festival and all these other festivals and tours and just the amount of people who are showing up to these things, you got emo crews, like all this stuff. It just seems like it clearly like wasn't like a phase. It wasn't like a hair metal or, or something. Like we're almost in like classic rock territory. Like I told Piebald, next year will be their 30 year anniversary as a band. That's longevity, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think that the past few years have just have kind of shifted everything. It's like everybody's kind of relearning what exactly is going on, us included. It's like we're still like figuring out our footing and like where we exist in this world of music and beyond that in like the general landscape of music. And I don't know, like, it keeps things exciting and interesting and things were just kind of stagnant until COVID and until, you know, all these different changes and it's really interesting there it really is like a kind of a different world than before and then it seems like it's almost like imagine the possibilities from here so take that tour package i was talking about so story so far look what they're doing now they're about to go do a run with blink 182 joyce manor did their own headlining play in the same rooms themselves with you guys mom jeans ended up going on like a world tour from there they like stole the show in their own ways every night dude the whole crowd at those shows mom jeans mom jeans people were going crazy for them and they're like touring the world now and then microwave just had a very successful headliner of their own doing bigger rooms yeah so it's a beautiful yeah, thing to see yeah, that's the dream. There's a lot of a lot of people capitalizing on the moment, you know, which is good. And I, I think people should be doing it even more, honestly, because it's like everybody's brushing like this close to being in the like household name category, you know, or at least the the more prominent examples of, of bands in our, our world. And I think that if everybody just rushes through the gates at the same time, it will happen, you know, and it, it will be a thing that I wouldn't have predicted in 2019 you know totally man i'd like to talk about that turnstile tour real quick what year was that uh i guess it was last year 2022 so supporting this band who's right in the middle of it like biggest thing there is it you know for our scene like they're still just exploding right so yeah what was that like and um what were your biggest challenges because you mentioned it wasn't what you're necessarily used to where it's like there's a bunch of people who are being exposed to citizen for the first time so yeah can you just talk about that 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we've known the Turnstile guys for like 10 years now. We did a tour with their other band, their old band, Diamond Youth, in 2013. And we've been friends ever since. We went to Australia together in 2018, I want to say. And then when everything was opening back up, you know, they were planning their tour. And so this was still, this was still while tours were not back yet. So everybody's planning out way, way in advance and hoping that by the time these dates come, everything's open. So when we got asked to do the tour with Turnstile, this was just when their album was finished, but it was before it was out in the world, you know? So they booked venues that at the time I thought, I was like, oh, these are pretty big venues for Turnstile and Citizen. And by the time that it happened, the venues were tiny for Turnstile. And so it was insane watching it in real time where we got asked, you know, a year or year and a half before the tour happened, you know, a year before they were even releasing songs. And then so we got to watch as the songs are coming out, the albums coming out, short films coming out, and we're watching Turnstile become the biggest band, one of the biggest current rock bands on earth. And we're like, holy shit, I can't believe we lucked out on this tour. You know what I mean? Because and this is no slight to them whatsoever. But I think that, you know, had their album been out, and it had the reception that it had, we probably wouldn't have gotten the call because it just opened so many doors for them that they should take you know i mean the next tour they did was with snail mail and jpeg mafia and it's like during covid they probably wouldn't have gone after that lineup because it was just you know didn't make as much sense so it was really interesting i mean i i mean it's a phenomenon so we were just really lucky to be on it and invited into that moment it's exciting to watch for us to watch our friends just do insanely big things. And it was also just a really fun tour because we're just, it basically was just hanging out with a bunch of friends. And that was with uh, Ceremony, Ikulu, and Truth Cult. So it's like you just have a ton of people, you know, either from hardcore or informed by hardcore and informed by punk. So everybody's like minded. Everybody's just, it wasn't like a businessy vibe to the tour, which, you know, we've been on that end as well. And so it was just really, really fucking fun. I mean, that's like one of those tours that I'll never forget. And in terms of challenges, I mean, honestly, the biggest challenge was just trying to keep up. You know, it's like they just elevated so hard from their last album and their last tours to where they were at. And so it really does instill in you like, OK, we have to up our game. We have to go harder. We have to play better. We have to perform. You know, we have to put on more of a show. And honestly, that's amazing. We needed that because we've been a band for a long time and you do just fall into being sort of stagnant or comfortable and that was like the best case scenario for us in terms of being on a totally hot, like relevant tour and just having to rise to the occasion. And hopefully we won some people over anytime we play with hardcore bands, which we've done many times, but it is always a challenge because you start off at sort of a disadvantage. And if we can win people over, then great. And if not, hopefully we show people that we're willing to just like do our thing and be mostly unconcerned and um anyway that tour was just amazing and we're all super grateful that we got asked to do it because it was sort of just an eye-opening thing and I, I never would have thought that just being asked to do a tour with old friends you know 
Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I do love the camaraderie within the scene. Everyone like knows everyone or you know someone who knows someone. And at least through my experience, you know, everyone's pretty rad. Good people just trying to go up there and do their thing, play good music. And and yeah, it's awesome to see, you know, bands like Turnstile or even when I saw a story was opening for Blank, I was like, yeah, dude, that's so dope. That's so sick. You know, I'd love to see it. Story is a good example, too, because, I mean, if I could credit any band with, like, changing our lives, it's Story, because we actually played a show with them when we were still in high school, or maybe had just graduated. They were on tour with Census Fail, and we got asked to open, and the Story So Far pulled up and just immediately started helping us carry our gear in. Wow. And, you know, it's like, that's not normal. You know, it's not really normal at all because nobody likes carrying gear but just immediately befriended us and they just kept in contact after that and they were the first band to take us on like a real like club tour before we even had an album out so they kind of took a chance on us just because they liked us and they liked us as people and um that just kind of changed everything it launched us into really taking the band seriously and then we did warp tour with them and we did another tour with them in 2018 i want to say it was i mean both of those tours were two of the most impactful uh kind of repositioned citizen tours that, that we've ever done so i'll just always be indebted to them for that you know i love that i love those guys Warp Tour is another great example of, I've been saying this a lot lately, but I think it might be the most important thing to happen to the scene in a lot of ways. Not only just this circus, right? This road circus of all these these bands that we love so much, but just think about the countless connections that are made through that tour that led to other tours or other collaborations or probably even other bands, you know, like people forming side projects and just sitting at that barbecue or whatever and, and just the people you connect with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did Warp Tour twice and it was definitely a struggle both times. In the moment, you know, I didn't know if I regretted doing it or, or liked doing it. But I think about it now and I think about all the people that we met through that. And at the very least, things would be really different had we not done them. So I totally think you're right. I, I think that there's nothing like it and never probably will be another thing like it. And even though we got in at the tail end of it, I am glad we we did it. And it was a crazy experience for a bunch of 90 19-year-olds that really didn't know what they were doing and were just kind of launched into this surreal experience. So I'm glad we did it. Yeah, man, it's like a punk rock summer camp, different time. Like, I think that chapter is closed. As much as it would be pretty cool to see something like that come back, I just don't think it's realistic anymore. But then you see all these cool festivals popping up instead, which is dope, you know? Yeah, I think that's great. I love that it kind of did give birth to a resurgence of all these different kind of one-off fests being able to happen. And from my perspective, you know, as somebody playing them sometimes, like I love that and I love playing fests and it's a different experience and, and way less stressful than a normal show. Oftentimes way more fun. You're usually around a ton of friends and also new friends. And yeah, I love that experience. So yeah. I, I think it's cool that that's kind of the current vibe. Festivals are the best. I just did um, Shaky Knees with the Front Bottoms. I mean, I've always loved that band. This is my first time working for them, but I'm signed on board for pretty much the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, Piebald Lee actually opened for them a couple of years ago. So I, I was well aware of how great the Front Bottoms are, but watching them play that festival set, it was one of the best festival performances I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. 
and just watching all these bands that I had never heard of before, discovering new bands, like you said, making new friends, meeting new people. Like um, I already went to a show of a band that I saw there from seeing them the first time, like not even a week later, they were playing in Boston. And uh, I went there like, yeah, new music, new bands, new friends. Festivals yeah. are the shit, man. I love them. But Nick, I'd like to learn about you. Can we go back and just maybe yeah, talk about your musical upbringing? You're in a band with your brother Eric currently too. So there's a, a lot I'd like to learn here. So um, yeah, anything you want to talk about there? Yeah, Eric and I grew up in Toledo and um, my kind of early music exposure wasn't really anything more than average, I would say. My parents both are music fans, but didn't play music. My mom loved like Stone Temple Pilots and she loved Shania Twain and my dad loved Aerosmith and CCR. And I would say that my big like kind of lightning bolt music thing was hearing Green Day and I was pretty young when I got into Green Day. I think I was probably eight or nine years old. And I just immediately wanted to play music. So I kind of forced my brother to play also. And I, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm going to play guitar. So you have to play bass. It's, you know, <laughs> you don't have a choice. That's just what you have to do. And so um, when I was nine for Christmas, my parents got us like, you know, Fender starter pack guitars and amps, whatever. And yeah, and by the time I was 11, I think we were playing shows. And at the time in Toledo, there was a ton of movement. You know, there was a lot of venues open and bands were coming to Toledo pretty regularly, either as an alternate to Detroit or doing Detroit and Toledo, which now is unheard of. That would never happen. So we we would play shows just wherever we could and we'd meet you know, we met like the Toledo promoters and I was 11. That's like hilarious to think about because when's the last time you even saw a band playing that was even in their teens? You know what I mean? So it's crazy. It was kind of crazy. You know, we were just like probably like a novelty thing around town and I was the singer and Matt was actually the drummer of our first band. So I've actually only been in, I've never been in a band without Eric and Matt. And yeah, so we just kind of did like the classic horrible first band thing that just sounds like nothing and everything all at once. And then we started Citizen when I was in high school. I think I was a, either a freshman or sophomore in, in high school. And um, yeah, it immediately, you know, we had already been in two bands. And so we kind of just said like, okay, well, th this one we want to be really serious about. We want to record with people that record the bands we like and we want to send it to record labels and things like that you know which was not anything that we had considered before or thought was possible you're still in high school at this time you're talking yeah we're still in high school so we played for a couple of years, just, you know, playing shows whenever we could, mostly Michigan and Ohio. And then, um, yeah, when I was a senior in high school, we signed to run for cover and just waited until we could graduate and could go on tour. And so we um, we graduated in 2012 and we left for tour, our first tour, like two weeks later. And that was with Turnover. So Turnover was kind of our sister band and all 
of this because we're the same age. And um, yeah, so we just kind of did everything together out the gate. And, you know, I think about it now. I'm like, it's insane that all of this happened. You know, at the time, Run For Cover was a huge thing in, in my line of sight. And this kind of realm of music, you know, Title Fight and Transit and Balance and Composure, like all of those bands. Yeah. And I had this this little scene. And to me, it was huge. And, and I loved these bands. But in hindsight, this was very, very small. And we only wanted to be on Run For Cover. It was like the only label to us. So we signed a Run For Cover, yeah, when I was... 17 or 18 and it just kind of naturally picked up it's like i would network with people via doing design work for them so i did shirt designs for transit and um tim from transit who actually passed a few years ago he was kind of the first person to really put on for citizen and um i did shirt designs for them and then just like an annoying kid was like hey you know and i play in this band if you'd check it out and he he did for whatever reason which i think is hilarious because I, I think that I unfortunately would probably be on the, the asshole end of things and not listen. He listened and he sent it to run for cover. So we kind of, you know, were in their ear and um, yeah, I mean, it just all worked out. It's really crazy thinking about now because it's not like we were really doing anything to make it happen. Like, it, I mean, we were, but it just kind of all was an accident. We didn't plan on this being our jobs and we didn't plan on being a band 14 years later, but it just worked out that way. And obviously I'm, I'm glad it did, but man, it's like, I don't even know how somebody would do that in this current landscape. You know, that was obviously not pre-internet, but it was definitely pre-streaming, pre-everything being what it is now. And it's like, I wouldn't even know what to tell a young person who is looking for advice on how to, you know, turn their music into something sustainable like I, I i don't even know it's like i i just can't it was a totally different world you know that's crazy man are you still doing uh design stuff uh yeah it honestly mostly is citizen stuff at this point i do other stuff when i can but yeah i really i have done you know all the citizen album covers and most of the merch designs and it, it keeps me busy beyond belief so <laughs> yeah it sounds like it's probably like a passion you know yeah, definitely. I, I love doing it. And I always am trying to kind of explore new styles and new ways of doing things. And, you know, I admire so many other artists and always kind of think that, you know, compare myself with them and, and don't think that highly of my stuff. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't really trust other people to have that position and have that control over our uh, aesthetics. So yeah, it's just kind of accidentally become like the number one thing I'm spending my time on. Well, it's a great skill to have and it's directly applicable to your band, you know? Yeah. Which is Absolutely. dope. Yeah. Um, so I did a little homework, right? I always at least check like Wikipedia and just like read around on the socials and stuff like that. Um, so it's my understanding that you guys are primarily like, you know, hardcore and metalcore influenced. I love hardcore metalcore music, you know. Uh, can you just talk about biggest influences? And I'll add to that two part question. Like, what are you listening to these days? Yeah, uh, well, in Toledo and Detroit, hardcore shows were just kind of the only thing to go to. Even the bands from our area that were not hardcore kind of also came from that, you know. Um, so immediately what comes to mind is Fireworks. They were 
a band that we grew up going to their shows in Detroit and Ann Arbor, and they would play with hardcore bands. And, you know, if we went to a title fight show, like they were playing with hardcore bands. So there was just kind of a natural overlap. Like all of our friends only played in hardcore bands. So when we would do shows in Toledo, it was usually us and like three or four hardcore bands. Our first out-of-town show ever was in Cincinnati with Suffocate Faster and uh, Full Blown Chaos. And that's wild. That was just like the nature of things growing up, you know, it's like that was just what was happening in our area. So the biggest thing I can think of at the time was like, I remember going to a show in Ann Arbor and seeing this band called Face Reality, who they were just a Detroit hardcore band. Now they're all friends of mine. But at the time, it was just kind of like, you know, exposed me to the Detroit hardcore scene, um, which was so active at the time with like Build and Destroy and Razzle Dazzle. And then outside of the Detroit scene, you know, going to like Trapped Under Ice shows and Foundation, there was just a lot happening that, you know, I never really thought anything of it because it was just normal to us, you know, it's like that was just what was around and what was happening. And we really didn't think it was like weird to be playing with these bands because it was people we know, you know. So yeah, I mean, that that's kind of like the background. But you know, we also were playing with, you know, a lot of pop punk bands and things like that when our music was, you know, more in that vein. And then I think just now I'm kind of reaching a place where um, I feel like I've settled into my music taste, you know what I mean? Like, as you just get into adulthood, it's like okay now i actually feel like more assured in what i like and like what i listen to which is all over the board i love country music classic country jerry jeff walker and john prine bob dylan is like my number one but yeah but then you know i've been listening to a lot more pop music and more electronic music caroline polachek and eve tumor a band called strange ranger is like one of my favorite bands right now a band called chanel beads yeah just it's like every year we're just kind of finding so much new stuff and i think citizen records have kind of reflected that you know every record has been pretty distinctly different from the last and i think that's just because we were young when we started making music and so we're still growing we haven't stopped listening to music and um yeah and i I like it that way you know i feel like all of my favorite bands were bands that every record really like played a role and that's kind of what we've tried to do but also it's just kind of naturally happened because we're more or less kids still and we just embrace new things you know pretty constantly it must be pretty wild to think so because you're about to do a tour celebrating youth your first full length so you guys wrote that when you were kids dude i mean i love youth i love the newest stuff i love everything in between like i drive a lot overnight on tour um i've been doing like box truck gigs for like bayside and front bottoms and stuff and so i'm listening to a lot of citizen dude and i love you guys i love all of it but that must be pretty wild and to me like when i read that you guys wrote that when you were kids i'm like "This this is incredible right Yeah, I mean, we, it's completely insane to think about. And I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday, more or less about the anniversary, but also kind of some context from the time that it came out. You know, one, we were high schoolers when we wrote that record. Um, Crazy. That's crazy. I mean, we had no clue what we were doing. We just, (laughs) you know, we were more or less ripping off the bands that we liked and um, people just took to it. But it also, it wasn't then what it is now. And I 
I think that that is not something people necessarily realize. You know, it's like at the time when it came out, we were still a very small band. We did Warp Tour the summer that the album came out. There'd be shows on Warp Tour that we were playing for like 75 people. And that in the context of Warp Tour is nothing. You know what I mean? That's like one of the smallest bands on the whole thing. And then after that, we would open up tours. You know what I mean? We weren't, our shows were not big when Youth was out. And our shows weren't big until many years after that. And so what's happening now where, you know, we're 10 years on, which is insane and makes me feel, you know, it makes my knees hurt. It's like, this is sort of the first time I'm realizing how special that record is to people. You know, it's always been sort of the cloud hanging over us in terms of like the album artwork, the title, like the subject matter. Really, it lent itself to like the kind of Tumblr world that it was involved in when it came out. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I mean, it was literally just like blogged, you know, like the album cover was just like on blogs, you know what I mean? People were like shitting on it, you mean? No, no, people loved it, but I don't even think a lot of people knew that it was an album cover. I actually think like the album cover is bigger than the album. And it's not like Youth came out and Citizen was just all of a sudden playing in theaters or something. It wasn't like that. We made no money. There was not people coming to our shows, you know, now doing this anniversary tour and we put it on sale and the biggest venues we've ever headlined are selling out in a day. That's not like something we're used to. And I think people might think like, you know, we've gotten some complaints from people about like tickets not being available at selling out so fast or not doing more shows or whatever. It's like from our perspective, we thought these venues were actually crazy for us to be playing. You know what I mean? We have supported other bands in these venues, but we've never headlined these venues and we never would have thought that it would go like this. You know, we we are really shocked ourselves and like this is the first time we're kind of taking inventory on what exactly that album is and what citizen is and um it's crazy to us it's all a whirlwind but it feels good you know after 10 years of kind of you know we haven't been in the trenches the whole time but you know we've we've had to grind and so kind of being at this place now it it is insane and i still can't believe it but i once we're actually at the shows i think that it'll be pretty surreal that's amazing, dude. It's like aging like a fine wine in a way. Yeah. It's kind of also the at the same time, it's like a, that classic slow build. You've just been putting in the work in every way possible. And yeah, for it's sure. like yeah. paying off. That's just a beautiful thing. I love this. I think that what we were talking about earlier about like the world has just changed so much that I don't know what advice I could give. I think that that's especially true with this where it's like, you know, how do you tell somebody in a decade, it'll all pay off, you know, like who's going to wait a decade and think of how rapidly things are changing now. It's like, I don't think people have that sort of time and attention span. And, you know, in 10 years, it's like the way we consume music will be completely different. You know, it's like the way we do things now is not going to be the way we do it in 10 years. And so I think it's like, what do you even say to somebody? It's like, we don't even understand what's coming. And definitely 10 years ago, I did not understand that we would still be a band in 10 years and we'd be playing these humongous venues and we'd still be writing music and making the best music we've ever made. Like I just, I wouldn't have believed it, you know? One thing I I love about your story is that you started so young, playing shows at 11 years old. And also, I I love that, you know, you and your brother have been in the same band for, what's the age difference between you and your brother? Just under two years. So we're pretty close. 
my brother and I are two and a half years apart that's and it. we're tight. He's, you know, he's my best friend. I mean, yeah. there are times where we drive each other crazy, right? Yeah. That's, that's normal. So what are the biggest challenges that I'm not trying to like pry with family shit, but like, uh, what are the biggest challenges there? Um, you know, being in a band with your brother. Yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest challenge is that you're willing to say things that you probably wouldn't say to somebody else. I think that we both know how to to push each other's buttons and, and we <laughs> take those opportunities. <laughs> but it's also great because it's like now you forever have somebody in a band with you that you can have like a blowout argument with and it will have absolutely no long term ramifications whatsoever. It's like it makes it so much easier to communicate. And as time goes on, it's like that's what I realized like without communication any partnership you know any relationship or working relationship whatever will not work without it and having somebody both that's in my corner always but also somebody who's willing to you know put on the gloves with me is so important it's like you have to be able to you have to be able to talk shit to your band and them talk shit back to you and it not mean anything but getting to a better place or, or whatever and Eric and I do that you know, it's like he's, you know, sometimes we're we're frenemies and then other times we are like partners in crime. He's my guy when I need something, you know, I'm like, this just has to get done. He just can execute in a way that I wouldn't trust anyone else to. And, you know, it's just like we are best friends most of the time. Being on tour with him is amazing because he always wants to do the same things as me. He's my my dinner buddy. He's down to go explore and it's great. I think that if anybody can start a band with their sibling, it's going to last twice as long than, than if you didn't, you know, so I love it and I hope he loves it, but I won't speak on his behalf. That's awesome, man. I had um, Mike Weiss on here before from Me Without You. So Mike and Aaron, you know, they're, they're brothers and uh, yeah, it's just definitely a special thing. It sounds like we have the same, pretty much the same age difference between our brothers. So I love that, man. I had to ask that question. Citizen is like a band of brothers. So, you know, me and Eric and then our guitarist Mason, he has been in a band with his brother Chandler for a long time. And his brother Chandler plays in a band called Illusion. And then Ben, our drummer, was in Title Fight with his twin brother. And then Matt has played music with his brother Chris forever. And I just thought of this like last week, actually. I was thinking about it. I was like, this is kind of crazy. You know, and I was thinking about all the other bands in our world of music that are like brother bands and I'm like wow it's actually a ton and I wonder it's like wonder if there's something to that you know there's got to be yeah for sure um so in the spirit of two week notice what do you think you'd be doing now if being in a band wasn't an option yeah um I actually was a screen printer for a while. That's kind of something that I think that at, at some point I'll go back to in, in some in some sense. I mean, being a screen printer is more or less like working in a factory. It's not as art-based as people would probably think, but um, I am like really happy to have that skill and like that knowledge. And I think that at some point, I think that I would probably try and find a way to kind of work that into my own art and yeah, just kind of figure out a way to mesh all of the things that I've kind of done for the past decade. But I'm holding out hope that Citizen buys me a few more years. <laughs> Dude, I, I think you'll be good, man. I'd like to ask short-term and long-term goals, both for you and for Citizen. 
Yeah, I mean, short-term goals, Citizen has a record coming out this year, and it's the most energized I've ever been. I mean, it's a Citizen record for 2023. I just love it, and I can't wait for it to come out. Um, So I guess short-term is that, you know, I just, I hope that that's successful, and I hope people like it. And then for myself personally, I guess I just want to create more. You know, I am kind of slow with art and music, and I just want to be creative creating at a more rapid pace and also at a higher level. I just, I want to make the best art and music that I possibly can. And long-term, honestly, I mean, I just love my friends and uh, I just want my friendships to last and for life to be as easy as it could possibly be. Can you talk a little bit more about the new music? When do you think the record's going to come out? And um, if there's anything you can share or elaborate on it, I'd love to hear it because I'm excited to hear it myself. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of doing this youth stuff. And then um, once the dust settles from that, it kind of begins like the new, I guess, the the new era of Citizen. It'll be the first, it is the first record that we've done with Ben and Mason. So our first record being a five piece since 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be all starting pretty soon. So not a whole lot else I can share but i will say i think it's like i think it's the best music we've ever made and i know that every band says that when their record's coming out and (laughs) oftentimes it is not true but oftentimes it is but honestly i I can't imagine people disagreeing with that i mean i think it's just like an awesome energetic record that just feels modern and it feels you know we're all just really energized about it and so basically I, i hope we go hard on it so you're thinking like later 2023 is when new, yeah, new music of, will drop probably? In terms of an actual like full release date, yeah, but music will be coming this summer. That's exciting. Very cool. Yeah, can't wait. All right, dude, let's plug some shit. So yeah, you got the youth tour. Are those all sold out? You got Fiddlehead opening up, which is rad. All sold out. All right, so <laughs> it's not oh, much to plug again. <laughs> yeah, we are going to do a live stream of one of the shows that will be like a, a well-produced live stream because we did feel bad that so many people couldn't come. So we'll be doing that. So I guess people should definitely look out for that. And yeah, I also want to shout out Fiddlehead. I mean, they're just some of my best friends. And so I'm really excited that they're playing. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome little run of shows there. Also, um, I'll give a shout out to When We Were Young. I'll be there with the front bottoms. And I already have a list of like must-see sets. And you guys and Joyce Manor are at the very top of my list there. So if we don't cross paths before that, I'll definitely catch you in Vegas in October. Um, You got anything else going on that you want to plug at all? And I'll put links to anything like your Instagram and stuff like that in the description of the episode. But you got anything else? No, not really, honestly. I'll shout out uh matt just released a solo record that is really really good i mean he's just a psycho and he can just write music like crazy and he he just made an album randomly and i didn't even know and he was like yeah i have a new album uh and the album's really good so i i think people should check that out and yeah that's pretty much it i'm trying to kind of stay uh things are pretty chill and easy in toledo right now so kind of calm before the storm so i don't have too much to to plug but i appreciate you having me dude this has been an honor it's been really cool talking to you brother thank you so much for your time and uh, i'll catch you at some point in the near future absolutely thank you man i watch you burn and I felt it 
Dana. <laughs>